Hi, and welcome to the Storytellers Live podcast, where everyday women share real and personal stories of encounters with God and His goodness. This is your host, Robin, and I am here with Dawn, Katie, and Lindy. And our hope at Storytellers Live is that you would hear these stories and that you would meet God in a new way, that you would know that you're not alone, and that you would sit and discuss these stories with your friends over coffee or when you're out and about, just like we're going to sit at the end of this episode and discuss with each other. Our hope is that walls would come down and that community would be built in your city and wherever you are. And today we have Lori's story from Katy, Texas. And Katy on our team, not from Katy, Texas, <laughs> is going to tell you a little bit about her story. That's right, Robin. Well, um, today's storyteller Lori speaks about the loss that she experienced and the grief that she experienced when her husband was diagnosed with cancer and then passed away soon after. You know, for those of you who are afraid of a sad story, hang in there because this is not a sad story. Lori gives us hope and she gives us encouragement. And I think there are so many pearls of wisdom that you're going to come away with after listening to this. We call this one the transforming power of grief because wow, grief more than anything else can transform us. And it's exactly what it did to Lori. And hang in there for those of you that hadn't been in the new format of our podcast. At the end, the four of us are going to sit and discuss and talk about her story. And so we'd love for you to join us at the end. And here's Lori's story. We just wanted to take a minute and thank you for being a friend of Storytellers. We hear all the time how much you are enjoying our stories, you're sharing our podcasts, and you believe in what we're doing. And so we just want to invite you to partner with us in 2020. You can do that two ways. Go to storytellerslive.org and click on the homepage, uh, the word donate, and simply give to our ministry. Secondly, if you would like to sponsor an episode or advertise with Storytellers, then send me an email, lindy at storytellerslive.org. That's lindy, L-I-N-D-Y, at storytellerslive.org. Remember, by partnering with Storytellers Live, you help us grow our podcast, expand into new cities, and continue to tell stories of hope. Thanks for being a friend of Storytellers. This is just, I think, such a cool opportunity. I am new to knowing about storytellers, I'm embarrassed to say, but I'm so thankful when they asked if I would come share my story because we all have one, whether we know it or not, and it's just always such a blessing when God gives us the opportunity to share, and I know so much of my just kind of growth with the Lord as I've grown up is hearing and seeing things in other people and just knowing, I want that. I want to understand how if she can do that, I can, I can do that too. If God does that for her, he can do it for me too. So this is just a really wonderful opportunity. I wanted to bring a tapestry and I don't have one at home and I thought I could bring a quilt, but it has a backing. So it wasn't going to like do what I needed it to do for my illustration. So if y'all will just bear with me and imagine as I've been kind of writing down thoughts from life and kind of what, where God has brought me from, where he's taken me to, where he continues to lead me to, I do think so much about a tapestry. And so much of our life is like a tapestry. 
what we see, you know, if you flip it around on the backside, all we see are the ins and the outs. Nothing really seems to make sense. We've got strings and ribbons going in all different directions, but yet if we turn it around, we see this beautiful work of art. And I feel like our life is so much that. We see this, you know, we see this tiny dot. We see this one thread headed in a crazy direction. How can God ever be in control of that? How can we ever trust that? But we flip it around and we realize that God sees yesterday, today, and tomorrow all at the same time. He knows where he's taking us. He knows what we're going through. And he's using all of those things for good. And I can see that as I look back over my life and what God has done. There have been a few prayers that I've prayed in my lifetime so casually that I feel like I can see that God put those in my heart at a young age. And as I think about that tapestry, I think about him planting those seeds in my heart, knowing where I was going, knowing what was going to happen, knowing the very high mountaintops and the very low valleys. Um, I can see that. One of those prayers and really just honestly seeing something in others was as a young girl, I remember I had friends' moms who always went to Bible study. It's actually my best friend's mom. Her name, Martha. And she just, there was just something about her. She was so joyful. I just loved being with her. It was the kind of person you left. You felt more loved, more important. And I don't know why I just attributed that to Bible study. She loved God. She loved God's word. And I just remember thinking, I'm going to be a mom that goes to Bible study. That's what I'm going to do when I, when I'm a mom. And so I remember, I remember that seed kind of being planted. I also remember just a little later on as an older, maybe a younger adult, right out of college, newly married, younger kids. uh, I remember seeing, loving and enjoying being in church, but seeing other people have a relationship with the Lord, worship God in a way that I didn't feel like I was getting. So I just felt like I was just not really missing something, but I felt like they had something that I didn't have. And I just remember praying one day, Lord, I want to understand the power of your word. I know it's powerful. You tell me it's powerful. I believe that it is, but I'm not feeling it. I don't don't understand that really was kind of where I was at. Um, I want to see what I see in other people. I want that relationship with you. And that was kind of it. Like life just sort of went on. But as I look back, I just see that as such a turning point. You know, there's that verse that says, Anything we ask for in the name and character of Jesus or of God, he is given to us. Ask and you will receive. And it's not really, that's not a verse in terms of physical blessings, but just a term. When we ask for things in the character and name of Jesus, the answer is always yes. And I just feel like that was one of those things God heard and just is like, yes, I'm doing that. I'm pouring that in your life. And I just see over the years how God has kind of grown me in his word. Again, back to that tapestry He knew where I was going. He knew what was going to come up in life. He knew what I was going to need to get through what was coming. And I just see that as such a a powerful work of God in my own life. I'm I'm getting to the good stuff. I just, it's funny as you think back over your life and you piece things back together, you see God's hand, gosh, from the very beginning. And for me, that's such a testament and a confirmation to our kids because God is doing, I see God doing things in my own kids' lives too, and he's whispering to them things that we don't even know or realize that's going to get them where they need to be too. And so 
those two things. I just wanted, I wanted to be a mom that went to Bible study, and Lord, I just want to understand the power of your word. And I think those two, in some way, go, go hand in hand a little bit. But life went on, and I went to college at Baylor, and I met Todd, and Todd and I dated for, it took us a while to get it all figured out, but about seven years. Um, we got married in the year 2000. And my favorite part about Todd and I's relationship, let me tell you, I, you know, we were not always the most functional, I'll be super honest, but what I loved about us was our friendship. At the end of the day, he was the person I wanted to call to say, oh, let me tell you what happened, you know, or the great things that happened. You know, he was the one, and I know he felt the same about me. Todd was such a hard worker. He was a loan, he was the mortgage loan officer. Um, he also loved to rodeo, so I had a little cowboy on my hand. Um, he was a steer wrestler. I was busy just raising three little people. I've always kind of done accounting stuff on the side, but I've mostly I was at home with kids, which is what I kind of always wanted to do. Little, so we had three littles under the age of five. And we had also, once we moved out to Fulcher about 15 years ago, um, started going to church at Second Baptist and had gotten just really involved in the adult Bible study ministry. Todd was a director of a Bible study at some point later on. As my kids were a little bit bigger, I started teaching Bible study, which was kind of, you know, something I never really imagined I would do. But so we were just really involved in that. And honestly, it was one of those things I think God put in us. We got to do that together. There were so many things we did separately, but that was something that we got, we really got to do together. And I can, I see how God just grew us together in that. But I think my relationship with God became really real. I, I became a Christian as a teenager in high school as a, from youth ministry, Baptist youth camp. I can remember it. But I don't really think that relationship became real to me until life got a little bit more difficult. And I was a wife and a mom. And all of a sudden, life was not really what I thought it was going to be. I was not the wife I thought I was going to be. I was not the mom I thought I was going to be. Nothing really terrible. It just felt really hard. And I remember for the first time in my life, it caused me to kind of grab a hold of the Lord. I mean, I had started, I had little kids. Remember, I was going to be a mom that went to Bible study. And so I did go to Bible study, but let me tell you, I needed it. I just knew at that point I needed it because I knew enough about God to know that he's the only one that changes our hearts. And that was what I really needed was a heart change. And, and I knew that I kind of just put all my eggs there. I was like, Lord, you got to be the one because I, I know enough about me that I can't do this. And so if it's up to me, I go back to all my defaults, right? And so, so I was in Bible study and just as I was kind of muddling through that process of also, I think just being a young mom, you just you're kind of lonely. I don't know. It's a, it's a lonely season as wonderful and sweet as it can be. It's also a lonely season. Todd was busy working. He had all sorts of fun felt like he was leaving every day for Disneyland or something, you know, and I was <laughs> home with three kids. And so um, anyway, it just kind of, I found myself in a very lonely season. And I just, it was really when my relationship with the Lord became really real to me. And I just decided I was going to start to believe God for what he said and grab a hold of what his word says, because we know that it's true one of my kind of game changer Bible studies, I guess, was a Beth Moore believing God. And the first, right out of the shoot, she says, do you believe in God or do you believe God? And that was, it still sits on me. I think about it almost every day because it, it challenged me to say, do I just believe that God is up there and he's present or am I believing what his word says? 
it just caused me to look at the Bible and his word in such a different way. And again, when we go back to our tapestry, God knew where I was going. He knew where we were headed as a family, and he knew that I was going to need to know and understand that about him. So that was kind of just that season of also, I want to say that God really began to challenge my trust of him. Faith, I guess you could also say. But again, life wasn't terrible. There was nothing hard. It was just hard. It was lonely. I just felt like I wanted to be a better mom. And all of those things were slowly changing. There was heart change. There was, you know, a coming together of Todd and I in our marriage. There was such a closeness that happened over a period of years. But I do remember a time God just, I've never heard an audible voice of the Lord, but I do in my spirit hear him. You just feel him saying things. So I know that sounds weird, but I, re- I, I remember in my kitchen cooking dinner with the house a mess and kids needing things. I just remember him saying, if nothing changes, will you still try? And I just remember kind of being overwhelmed by that, but I knew enough. I'd been studying his word and deciding I was going to believe what he said. Okay, I will. I will trust you. If everything stays the same, I will. And I just, again, that was just another kind of stepping stone into just believing God's word and trusting him for what he says, even when our circumstances show nothing of what is true, right? So that was just kind of another step, I think, in my story. But we we were doing well, and uh, the kids were growing, and, and Todd and I were growing together, honestly, in a way that only God can grow two people together. And it was just truly so satisfying to both of us. Only God does that. Only God does that. But fast forward several years, I guess, uh, Lauren was probably 13. Chase was 10 and Lainey was nine. I just remember thinking that Lauren was so big and she wasn't. I mean, she was still just a little person, you know. But um, anyway, August of 2014, Todd had been having, just complaining about a sore throat. And we'd been to doctor's wasn't strep. It wasn't any of the regular thing. They thought maybe it could be arthritis because that ran in his family. I mean, we were kind of, we were going to some crazy chiropractor that I'm sure was good, but we just knew something was wrong, but we just couldn't really get our finger on it. And anyway, found out in August of 2014, he was diagnosed with throat cancer. We finally went to an ENT and they immediately, they could look in his throat and say, throat cancer. And, and throat cancer is one of those things that usually don't catch it early. So by the time they do, it's at stage four. So he was diagnosed with stage four throat cancer. To this day, even saying it, it still sounds and feels very surreal. I think sometimes it always will. But the prognosis was good. It was 90% cured, which they don't use that word cured with cancer very often. Todd was young and otherwise healthy. It was a very treatable type of throat cancer. It was aggressive, but they said it's very, it responds to treatment very well. And so we felt hopeful. I mean, the hardest part about throat cancer is the treatments are brutal. You go through 34 and a half radiation treatments over a period of seven weeks and chemo at the same time. So that was pretty much a full-time job. I mean, every day we were having radiation. We were doing chemo once a week, and the hard part about throat cancer is they radiate your throat, so it makes it very difficult to eat, very difficult to gain weight, and they tell you right ahead of time that eating is going to be very, very hard. You've got to make that a priority. You have to keep the calories. You have to try to keep weight on. You don't, because that's, I guess, what helps you fight the cancer, and so 
we were ready. I mean, we felt like we were. We were just ready to attack it. We felt like, okay, it's going to be a tough eight weeks, but we're going to get to the other side. It's, it's going to be Christmas and the new year, and we'll turn a corner, and we're going to be all right. And so that was just kind of how we attacked it. And I think I look back, and I think that we operate on autopilot mamas a lot of the time. And I don't know that I had really let it in at that point. It was like, all right, we're going to do this. The kids are going to keep doing their stuff. We'll get you to treatment. We're gonna, he was going to try to work. Um, also, just from home while we were undergoing this. And so that was kind of, you know, our, our outlook on it. And I don't think, I think the reality of it really hit me one day when I was driving to a special pharmacy to pick up his fentanyl pain patch to handle his cancer pain management. I mean, that was when I was kind of like, whoa, this is, this is happening. And so we did it. We did the seven and the eight weeks of treatment. I want to take just a pause on that story and just say that this was a season that God's provision for us was so evident. I mean, I still think through those seven or eight weeks there, first of all, just even with the diagnosis, I just, it felt literally like God was parting the Red Sea to get us where we needed to be. I mean, every appointment opened up and I'm not the first person I've heard when hard things and illness happens. God does, God does that for us. And it was so evident. I didn't even have to think about it. It was just so like, how's this happening? Nobody gets in and we're in and we're starting treatments. It just was like the Red Seas were parting. Literally, it was what I felt like. But God's provision was so evident. And I just remember feeling like I was just seeing scripture lived out and confirmed right in front of me so many different times along the way. There was not a need that we had that was not met for us before we even knew we needed it, to be honest. We had put our wonderful, sweet Bible study class was just there with meals. We had put a cooler outside in case we weren't home if they needed to drop off food or whatever. Let me tell you, I remember one day Todd was drinking a lot of insures because that high calorie protein, all of that, we just literally run out of our last one. And I remember making a note, okay, I need to grab some on the way home from treatments today. And I forgot and I came home and somebody had just dropped off a whole thing of insures. I mean, in our little cooler thing. So it was like the hands and feet um, of God's people just, it was Jesus to us. It was care and concern. That's not, that is nothing of us. And so I just, another thing our Bible study class had done was they would write notes on Sunday and stick them in the box and somebody would mail them. And let me just tell you, sometimes I couldn't read them because I just didn't have time and it was so hectic, but I always knew they were there. I always knew that they were there. And it was such an encouragement to me. It was such an encouragement to Todd and it continued. It didn't stop. It wasn't for a week. It was for, you know, the whole time we were going through it. I just want you to get the real true picture here. Um, there's more that didn't fit in my box. But this was just such a love and care for us. And, and, the, and I remember the meals that were brought, the food was wonderful, but what we loved the most was just seeing the people. That was what we needed right then was just the people. I don't even know what to say, the presence, like people just that you know are there with you. You're not doing it by yourself. And so that was, um, gosh, I knew God was with us. His presence was so palpable. I can't even explain it. And I think it's what, you know, when we walk through hard things and people say, I don't know how you're doing this. I don't know how you're doing this. And I just think that God puts such a special um, grace over us when we're walking through hard things. We don't know how we're doing it. It's supernatural. It's nothing of us. 
it's totally God providing. And I don't even know that there's words to explain it. I love that. So we, God was with us and we knew it. The people and the provision and the encouragement was endless. So we finished treatments and when we were supposed to be kind of rounding a corner around December, he just wasn't. We did find out, I guess about January, that the treatments didn't get all the cancer as they thought that it would. And so all of a sudden, literally in a snap, I don't even know if we realized this would happen, his prognosis went from 90% he'll be cured to 10% mortality. I will never forget the day the doctor told Todd that when Todd asked, how long do you think I have? He said, I think he asked her, what's the longest that you've had someone live after after this? And um, she said six months. And we were just like, I just remember we sat there like stunned. I mean, you just don't even know what to say. So they didn't get all of the cancer. We were going to try to do a few more rounds of chemo and see if it shrunk enough that we could do surgery and remove the tumor. Um, but we just didn't make it that far. And the tumor spread into his nerves and up into his sinus cavity. And he just began having excruciating headaches and took us a while, the doctors a while, to figure out what that was all about. CAT scans didn't show it, none of that. And so um, finally, it was an MRI that showed it. But there was just decline and we didn't know. So for the last month of his life, it just felt like a 911 crisis every day. Like we were either going to the emergency or trying to make an appointment to get in with the doctor or whatever. And in just six and a half months, God called Todd home on Wednesday, March 18th, 2015. And I will tell you, the last week of his life was just such a covering of God. And I remember somebody had told me, uh, a wonderful lady who's walked this road ahead of me, had told me, you know, we spend so much time preparing for birth and we spend so little time preparing for death. And it's just as special as birth is. And I just remember her kind of speaking that over me. And I just carried that with me as we walked through those last weeks together. And so I just had that truth over me that this wasn't it. Our last breath in heaven, our last breath on earth is our first breath in heaven. And I just, watching Todd walk through those last week, it was, it's so fully true. God was so present in all of that. And let me just tell you, oh death, where is thy sting? Yes. There is no sting of death. There is no, I mean, death is taken away. I don't even, I couldn't even say that. I wouldn't have ever understood that before walking through this process with Todd, before ushering him into heaven. And he didn't die. He didn't. I mean, he, his last breath here was his first breath in heaven. And again, just God's word was just kind of over me. One thing that really was just another story of God just kind of being in our present and in these moments with us, and death also just being as important, I think, to God as life is, if not more so, really, if we're to be perfectly honest as Christians. But I just remember one of my prayers those last few weeks when everything was just kind of crazy. We just hadn't been out there in church. We hadn't been posting things on social media. So I don't know that really the people that meant the most to Todd, besides family and extended family, knew that he was declining so quickly. And I just remember Todd was such a people person. He loved people. There were 700 people at this man's funeral. And I mean, just, I don't even think that we as his family realized the lives that he touched just with his love of people. I mean, people just were were kind of drawn to him. And 
I just remember thinking one day, Lord, I just pray there will be time for closure. I pray that there will be time for closure with people that we haven't seen and people that love and know Todd. And I didn't know how this whole thing was going to um, walk out. And the last weekend we were in the hospital, they kind of had figured out what was going on. And Todd had been on just so much pain medication. He was in so much pain. And um, those last couple days before he passed away, it was like he didn't ask for pain medicine. He was alert. His eyes were closed. But let me just tell you, it just opened the door. I think we probably had 75 people over those couple of days that came by to see Todd, to hug him, to tell him they love him. And he was alert and able to talk to them. His eyes were closed, but he knew that they were there. There was one man that came that Todd used to rodeo with as just a younger college guy. And they had had a falling out over a car accident that had happened and hadn't talked in years. And um, and John showed up and was just, I don't know, so humble and told me he wished he would have come a long time ago. And he was so proud of Todd. It was just, oh my gosh, it was just such a sweet closure moment, I felt like, for Todd and for him and for me to be able to see that. But again, just, gosh, God, hearing our prayers and having those moments of closure with people that meant a lot to us as a couple was such a sweet thing. And we were in the ICU. It's unheard of to have that many people in and out. And the nurses were wonderful. They just kind of let people come and go, I guess, as they needed to. And God was just so involved in every detail of calling Todd home, from comforting him over having to kind of leave this life and stepping into eternity to allowing us all to have some closure. My kids were able to come and talk to Todd because this was just all happened really quickly. And my kids had a moment with him to speak with him before he got worse. And again, just kind of for me, what I remember most about that is that this isn't our home. This is not where we're supposed to land for forever. And sometimes it's so easy. I get so caught up in the details that I forget. This is all just temporary. Todd didn't take the stuff, the house, the, house, the horses, the cars, anything with him. And I'll tell you the probably the one verse I think that I lean on the most as I walk out this journey is our days are numbered before even one of them came to be. And I just feel like Todd wasn't, Todd, Todd's days were meant to end on March 18th, 2015. Um, there wasn't anything I could have done to kept him here longer. There wasn't anything I could have done for him to have gone sooner. And I, I lean on that. It was time for him to go. His work was done. His work was done here. So that was, you just never think you're going to lose your person. Um, you don't. And I'll tell you, I've just learned the strength that God gives you to walk through loss and heartache and grief in this lifetime can just only be described by his hand in our life. We, we don't do it on our own. We can't do it on our own. It's that verse, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is in us. And that's what enables us to walk through these hard things. And I feel like even now, I mean, early on, so many people say, oh my gosh, you're just, I don't know how you're doing this. You're so strong. And I, to this day, wouldn't describe myself as that. I don't feel like I'm strong. So often, especially early on, still a lot of times, even now, I'm in my closet 
there's no words. You're just weeping, and you have those overwhelming moments of grief and heartache and loss. You can't explain it. I remember just feeling right away like there was this great big ball of hurt, like right here, and but I couldn't get to it. And I just don't even know that God wanted me to get to it right then. When I take when I drop my kids off at Pine Cove, they have all the verses as we walk in, and one of them is Colossians one seventeen. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. And I felt like that was so true in my grief journey because God was before all of that. He was orchestrating how I walked through it when I could get and deal with the hurt and the loss, and He was holding it all together for me. Um, it wasn't all falling apart. But so often just, I remember going back to my Bible study days and the time in my kitchen when God said, if nothing changes, are you still going to trust me when nothing in your life looks like what my promises say, are you still going to trust me? And I just remember sometimes in my closet, just reading those verses out loud and weeping over them. And yes, Lord, I am going to trust you. Um, You will accomplish what concerns me. You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. The children of your servants will continue and their descendants will be established before you. For if he causes grief, then he will have compassion according to his abundant loving kindness. Lord, make us glad according to the days you have afflicted us and the years that we have seen trouble. Let your work appear to your servants and your majesty to their children. I mean, these were all just verses I clung to in those early days of grief and loss. I still do. Um, When I'm feeling like, you know, my kids are flailing or that they're struggling not having dad there, this is what I go to. Lord, you promised me you will accomplish what concerns me. My boy is on that baseball field without his dad out here, and you've got to be in charge of that because I can't do it. You will accomplish what concerns me. And if he causes grief, then he will then he will have compassion, and God's compassions are what we know, what the Bible tells us about them, is they're new every morning, brand new. Not what we needed yesterday, but exactly what we need today. And so I guess just as I wrap up, I just was thinking about what do I want you to leave here and know. I just, I want you to know that God is so very real and so very present with us. This is not, there's really nothing super special about me. Um, I'm a gal from Conroe, Texas. I was Miss Cut and Shoot, and um, <laughs> that kind of says it all. I mean, I um, I struggle sometimes with just feeling like I'm not one of God's favorite girls. I'm just not. Um, we know that that's, that is not true. But, but anyway, there's just nothing special about me. It's just I decided to believe what God said. I decided that was the only way there was ever going to be heart change and life change. I never wanted to walk this journey. In fact, I'd probably ask not to. I would like to go back to how life was, but I trust God with it, and I believe what his word says. One of my favorite verses in the last year or so that I've really just begun to cling to is in Hebrews, this hope we have as an anchor of our soul, a hope both sure and steadfast, and one which enters within the veil. God, the hope we have in the Lord is such a living hope. doesn't feel like that on a lot of days, but it is. It still is. Every one of God's promises is true, and if we, I, 
will choose to grab a hold of that anchor and cling to it no matter what, no matter what winds are blowing my way. And here's what I know, just because I've been through one thing doesn't mean it's smooth sailing from here on out. We're not promised happiness. We're not promised comfort. If life is a struggle forever, am I still going to trust the Lord? And, and I'm going to. I believe what his word says. And also the other thing that I just kind of realized walking through grief and loss is that we're not guaranteed tomorrow. We think we are. I think that that's a trick that the enemy wants to play on us, making us think we have a lifetime to live differently, to make different choices, and we don't. God's promises are for today. And I knew very quickly after Todd was gone and I was faced with just life kind of without him that I wanted to do it differently. I wanted to declutter and unclutter. I wanted to be able to focus on the things that were important. Because here's the deal. When Todd went to heaven, all that mattered in that moment was what had he done with the time that God had given him and how well did he love the people around him. And the same is true for me. The same is true for all of us. And how am I doing at that? I'm constantly asking myself, how am I doing at that? And we made a lot of changes in life because I wanted to be able to enjoy my kids. I wanted to be able to just love the people that God put in my life. I wanted to realize the blessing in the day, right? There's so many scriptures in the Bible that talk about encourage each other as long as we can call it today. Am I leaving enough margin in my life to be there when other people need it? Because I remember how sweet that was to have people come over to us when we needed and just be there. And am I leaving enough margin in my life to see that people need that, to see the need and just be able to do it? So I will say, though, that grief kind of just becomes your friend. It, it does. It's been four and a half years. It feels like an eternity, but it feels like just yesterday, too. It just kind of becomes your new normal, and you walk, grief walks next to you, as does happiness, as does joy. Happiness can run right alongside grief. I don't even know how to explain that, except it's great to laugh. God's put laughter in our home that I just never imagined um, could be. We have joy. We have great moments. I know Todd is healed and whole in heaven. I know that we will see him again. I know that, you know, time is an earthly thing. There's no time in heaven. So when we get there for Todd, it's going to feel like nothing, you know, and that gives me a lot of comfort too. I know he's busy. I know God's got him doing stuff. Um, One of the things, I didn't plan on saying this, but I just thought of it. Um, One of the things before he passed away that the night before he was kind of restless and he was like, God, God's talking to me, Lori, God's talking to me. I'm like, mm, well, what's he telling you? Tell <laughs> me in. He said, there's a lot of work to do. There's a lot of work to do. And I just remember feeling like God was wooing him over. Todd was always such a busy person. He always had stuff. And I was always kind of jealous of just him having such a full calendar. <laughs> but he loved that. He loved being busy and out there. And I just almost felt like God was wooing him saying, look here, we got so much work to do up here and I need you to come be part of it. And so I've remembered that. I know he's busy. I know he's whatever. I don't know. There's so much we don't understand about heaven, but we know that it's more than we can ever imagine. Like our minds can't even wrap our heads around it. So his promises are for today and we're not 
guarantee tomorrow. And I really just kind of want to close. I don't mean to sound like I'm I'm teaching. This is just kind of what God has put on my heart as I've walked this journey, how his word has become so true. Now we see dimly, but then we will see fully as we are fully known. And I know that that's where Todd is. And I know that we will be there one day. And I know that in the meantime, we got stuff. God's got, we got kids to raise, lives to live, and there will be joy. I tell my kids all the time, we're going to have a lifetime of moments that we say, I wish dad was here. And um, that's okay, because we do. But um, gosh, God's with us in that too. And there's so much hope, even when our circumstances and our life doesn't look like anything that his word promises. There's always hope. And um, thank you for listening. How well do we love and how do we spend our time? That's what matters in life. We all can run around and live such busy lives. And at the end of the day, after such loss, that that's where it lands. And that's what matters. Yes, I feel like when she's described leaving enough margin to see the need and act on it for others, I feel like that was just so powerful for me personally. I know, Dawn. I mean, when she said we spend so much time preparing for birth mm-hmm. and not much time preparing for death, I thought that's so true. Someone like me who's very uncomfortable in sad situations, I don't think a lot about right. death, right. you know, but I do know that this isn't our home. And when she right. said that, I thought, yeah, that you're exactly right, because that's why we're uncomfortable. That's why we have, you know, emptiness sometimes, mm-hmm. because this isn't our home. Mm-hmm. I love, too, what she said about that you never know that Jesus is all you need mm-hmm. until Jesus is all you have. Right. And just the importance of living through his promises and not through the insecurities of our day-to-day lives because we're not guaranteed anything. She talked about that. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. None of us are. One of the quotes that I read recently from J.D. Greer said that sometimes God withholds everything from us except his promises in order to make us ask ourselves, are his promises enough for me. When she talked about being in the closet and she was saying that she heard the Lord say, if nothing changes, yes, will, will you, you still, still trust, trust me? me? I, yes. Oh, I my word. It. I love it. It's just, it was, the, the whole story was a reminder of living out of our trust mm-hmm. in God and having an eternal perspe- perspective because this is not our home. Uh, and that the quote that I've heard many times over that she said she reminds herself every day of do you believe in God or do you believe God? Yeah. It just sums it up. It's like, do you trust me? Do you believe me? And so we are so thankful to Lori for sharing her story. And thank you for joining us today as listeners. And we look forward to being with you next week. And we just ask again, as we do every episode, that if you enjoy Storytellers, that you share it with your friends. We love getting feedback. We love hearing from people who God is really using these stories to change their life. So we ask that you subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. You may hear it over and over, but that's because it matters. It's how people can hear these stories and, and have hope.
And you can, if you want more information, you can go to storytellerslive.org. You can join our email list. You can follow us on Instagram at Storytellers Live Podcast or on Facebook at Storytellers Live. We're, we're all over. And we would love for you to join us there. And we'll be with you next week.